Welcome back to the Benedettiville podcast, everybody. We're very happy that you're joining us. We've got another amazing show for you this week. If you'd ever like to get in touch or get involved, there's lots of ways you can do it. You can drop us a line at mail at benedettiville.com. You can check out the website, benedettiville.com. Or you can go over and uh, throw some support down on the Patreon page, patreon.com backslash benedettiville. Any of that stuff. It all helps us out quite a bit. And we'd love to get you involved and hear your stories and your ideas. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Enjoy the show, folks. Having a, it's a family affair. I've got Stella Benedetti. Hello. I've got Eliana Hirsch. What's up? I've got Emmeline Benedetti and Hi. Elias Hirsch. Hi. What's up? And we are excited to bring you a great hour of entertainment on the radio. Gio is still in Australia with our good friend and puppet bassmaster Rocco Blastorius, and we wanted to kick off this episode with some news from their travels. We will be hearing answers to some of the Ask an Australian questions we sent out to Gio and Rocco. And the continuation of the fantastic adventure of Princess Hermione and the Quest for Music. And all, all this and more are here for your listening pleasure. But, but first, a message from our sponsor. Well, no, that's my fault. It looks like the sun's going down and it will be nighttime soon. You're right. I'm hungry. Me too. I wish there was some sort of thing that we could do every evening or every night right around this time where we wouldn't have to be hungry anymore. So do I. What's that, kids? Is it evening slash nighttime and is somebody hungry? Yes! Well, worry no more, for now there's dinner time. Dinner time? Yes, dinner time. It's a brand new thing. It's the coolest time in town. Every evening or night when people are getting hungry, people are finding, heating up, cooking, or buying food and eating it. No way! Way! So, next time you're hungry and it's evening or night, 
Make time for the coolest time in town. Dinner time. Dinner time. Dinner time. Dinner time. Dinner time. We here in Benedettiville love to explore, and right now, even as we speak, Gio Benedettiville is traveling in Australia with his pal Rocco Blastorius and playing music in a band called the Brothers Comatose. We had a chance to catch up with Gio and Rocco, and now we bring you the news from Australia. Hi, Hi Gio. Gio! Hi, Benedettiville listeners. Hi, Jenny. Hi, gals. I miss you all tons. Rocco Blastorius and I are still down here in Australia. We've been here over a week already. Can you believe it, Rocco? Over a week? Whoa, dude. I mean, I'm a puppet, and I have no idea how to really tell time, but that sounds like a really long time, bro. How you holding up, buddy? Yeah, I'm holding up like a champ, man. I tell you, Australia is treating me super great. There's great fit. There's great people. There's beautiful things to see, like, Everywhere you look. And uh, the coffee. Did we already talk about the coffee? Because it's so amazing, Dad. I'm not really, like, practicing bass, you know? Uh, I didn't bring my bass with me, so that's all a bit of a bummer. Better than that, dude. Ten stars. Five out of five. If I had thumbs, dude, they would both be up. You know what I'm saying? What was your favorite thing about Australia this last week? The greatest thing about this week in Australia was pie. And I'm not talking like berry pie, bro. I'm talking about like chicken and mushroom pie. The pie is amazing. Flaky crust, creamy, tender, delicious morsels inside. They do meat pies like nobody's business, man. I'm telling you, you gotta come here just for the pie. Do you have anything you want to say to the people back home? Um, other than the pie is amazing, and the coffee is spectacular, and the people are great, and it's beautiful? Uh, no, I guess not that much. I think that kind of says it all. Uh, I do miss home, though, you know? Like, I miss Petaluma. I miss my favorite places. I miss the food and the coffee of Petaluma. You know, actually, as far as we've, we've got it pretty good, man, you know? Petaluma, as far as places to be in the world, not too shabby. <laughs> not too shabby. Well, there you go, Petaluma. We've got that going for us. You know what I mean, bro. It's amazing. Petaluma's fantastic. But, like, the newness, the amazing majesty of Australia unfolding before me every day. That's like, it's a whole new adventure, dude. It's been an amazing adventure down here. We miss home like crazy. But we'll be home in just over a week. Can't wait to get back and send any questions, anything you want to know about Australia. We're here. We'll ask Australians for you. All right. Time to go on to the next thing. On to the next thing. And uh, for us, Gio, I really hope that means coffee. All right, let's go. What's your favorite animal? Platypus. Maybe dogs. Any dog. All dogs. Big dogs. Dogs. I love dogs. Probably birds at the moment, really. Oh, it has to be the eagle. Wedge tail eagle. Yeah. Horses. Definitely horses. Birds and dogs. I best go with a wolf, actually. A platypus. A platypus would be my favourite because they're just so beautiful, they're unique, they have a personality of their own, and they're not like any other Australian animal. Have you ever woken up and realised that day that you need a hat? Just the most important thing that you could do that day is to get a hat? 
Well, that happened to me once in Benedettiville, and luckily for me, we had a brand new hat shop in town. But, like most things in Benedettiville, things did not go exactly as I thought they would. Here's the story. I went down to the hat shop. It opened up that day, and the man behind the counter, he was strange in every way. With a beard down to his ankles and a mustache two feet wide and a pointy hat with moons and stars and a staff held by his side. I didn't even see a single hat inside the store, but he snapped his fingers, poof! And there were hats, oh, hats galore. Helmets, headbands, crowns and stetsons, bowlers, ball caps too. But from out of all those hats, the old man said, this one's for you. It was a dirty yellow hard hat like construction workers wear. And I, I told him I didn't like it. It was too rough for my hair. He looked at me and glinted those sharp, glinty eyes of his. If you want to do what's best, he said, you'd best be wearing this. He didn't even charge me. He just shooed me out the door and, embarrassed, I put on the strangest hat I'd ever worn. I was walking home, still thinking about that strange man and his hats, when I heard a shout from far above, a scream, and then a crash! A big red brick had fallen from a new house being built, had fallen down right on my head. I was very nearly killed. Wow, I said, and held my yellow, hard construction hat. I'd be dead if that old wizard hadn't sent me off with that. Well, I put that heavy, ugly hat right back upon my head, and I wore it all that day and night, even wore it right to bed. And next morning, right first thing, I went down to that store again. Oh, I see you're back with head intact, said my magic hat store friend. I told the wizard thanks as we stood in his empty store, and then he snapped and poof, a zillion hats just like he'd done before. He mumbled as he walked among the berets and sombreros and hats of every shape and size, tall, short, fat, and narrow. I lost him for a moment, buried in that hatty mess, when with a cry he popped out laughing, Hoo-hoo, yes, this will be best. He was holding up the largest, strangest hat I had ever seen. It was big and tall and glowing, a very brightly colored green. It was made of moss and feathers and had a most peculiar smell. I had a very distant hope it wouldn't fit me very well. He placed the wild creation on my head with happy eyes. Then he took a step back, looked at me, and sighed a happy sigh. Well, I can't tell you what will happen while you're out upon your way, but you'll be a lucky kid to have the day you'll have today. Yes, he laughed a wistful laugh as I waved and walked away and called, What a lucky kid to have the day you'll have today. Yes, what a lucky kid to have the day you'll have today. Crown. 
Sushi's up there. Just any kind of vegetables, really. Yeah. So, awesome. yeah, it's a broad range there. <laughs> Steak. Chicken parmigiana. Pizza. Hungry Jacks is like Burger King to you guys, like, but we call it Hungry Jacks in Australia. I guess butter chicken, really. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, bro. What's butter chicken? Butter chicken, it's an Indian food where you get chicken and you mix it in with a curry. Biscuits. Yeah. Maybe biscuits, yeah. What? What biscuit? What's your, what's your go-to biscuit? My go-to biscuit would have to be shortbread, I think, yeah. Now, in the States, biscuits for us oh, are very they're, different. They're, they're like, cookies, right? Yeah, yeah cookies. Okay. So, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's sorry. not. It's, that's what's so fun about this. Yeah. So, kids, that is good to know. If you're in Australia and you want a cookie, you need to ask for a biscuit. That is very important to remember. Also, it is very important to remember what happened in our story last week when we began our adventures with Princess Harmony. And if you're just tuning in, we need to bring, bring you up to speed. Okay, so guys, can we bring everybody up to speed about what's going on in our story? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Princess Harmony comes from the Kingdom of Silence. She, she had never heard music before until she wanders off one day and meets Mother Melody. Mother Melody gives her a map, and Princess Harmony sets off to explore the old forest and bring music back to her kingdom. First, she meets Ruxapold, the doe songbird, and the first note of the great scale. He becomes her travel companion, and he begins to teach her the ways of the old forest and the magic of the music. And about the dreadful cacophonics, his noise goblins, and the gloom cloaks. We, when we left Princess Harmony last week, she had just pulled a sword named Raybright Suncatcher out of a huge stone and discovered the second note of the Great Scale. We find them now waking up in the morning with a family of monkeys in a grove of tangled trees in the old forest. Early in the morning, waking up in the monkey's house, In the tangled tree forest, Princess Harmony enjoyed a breakfast of fruits and delicious muffins that the monkeys had made. They had made them very special for her, finding out that she loved muffins for breakfast, especially lemon muffins. Princess Harmony, the monkeys, and Ruxapol looked over the map and planned the adventure for the day. From what they could see on the map, their journey today would lead them out of the tangle tree grove and down a steep, deep ravine to where a fast and clear river rushed its way through the old forest. To get to the ravine, they would have to first wind their way past the giant ant colonies and their dirt towers, taking care to walk very softly and carefully, and then through the great lotus fields, where Ruxapold warned they'd have to cover their mouths and noses or they might fall under the sleeping spell of those very bright, very powerful flowers. Once they got down into the ravine, by the looks of the map, they'd have a very water-slick and rocky trail to follow all along the banks. The monkeys, 
suggested to Princess Harmony that she rub some of the tangle tree sap on the soles of her boots to keep from slipping. That was an old forest trick that everybody knew so that they wouldn't slip around. Princess Harmony thanked him, and she did just that. Ruxapold warned not to go swimming in the river, which was called the Silver River, due to the dangers of the very fast current and the water dragons that often lived in the deeper pools of the Silver River. And so it was that much later on in the day, after miles and miles of hiking and near slips into the rushing waters, but very safe thanks to that tree sap, and after closely following the map, Ruxapold and Princess Harmony, with Raybright hanging at her belt, found themselves outside of a gaping, dark, very deep-looking cave. <clears throat> Princess Harmony did not like the looks of that cave. From the last bit of their walk, they had seen bones strewn about and large, deep, clawed footprints. Um, what makes tracks like these? Princess Harmony had asked Ruxapold as they came across some rather fresh-looking tracks outside the cave. Ruxapold sniffed at the track. A troll, he said. And from what I can tell, a very stinky, very big river troll. And all these bones, the princess asked, waving at the piles of bones and debris all around the cave. Well, it's a very stinky, very big, very hungry river troll, I guess. But don't worry, it should be sleeping now. Trolls never come out in the daylight. Are trolls on the same side as the cacophonics? Harmony asked. Well, trolls aren't on the same side as anybody, even other trolls, said Ruxapold. They find private, solitary places where they can be their hungry, grumpy selves all alone. They are much older than the cacophonics, and they don't care for music one way or the other. Well, we need to get into that cave, Harmony said. How do we get into a troll cave? I don't know, Rux said. All the advice I've ever heard was how to get out of a troll cave, or never go in one in the first place. The only thing everybody knows about trolls, other than to leave them alone, is that they hate sunlight. It can turn them to stone, or make them go blind, or even make them vanish in a big puff of smoke. But I don't know how you can get any sunlight into a huge, deep, dark cave like that. Princess Harmony smiled. Well, I do, she said with a twinkle in her eye, and she walked boldly right into the cave. Come back! Get out of there! squawked Ruxapold, scrambling to catch up. Come on, Rux, let's go have an adventure, came the voice of Harmony from inside the cave. And Ruxapold muttered to himself and flew in after her. The cave was very big and very dark, and it smelled very very bad. It seemed that the troll ate mostly fish and river creatures because the cave smelled a lot like fish, only more old and rotten fish that maybe had been sitting on the cave floor for a long, long time. They could hear a deep rumbling from further back in the cave. I think it's snoring, whispered Princess Harmony. It must be nap time. She got a candle out of her pack because Mother Melody had packed her several candles, and she lit it. They stepped cautiously around smelly piles of fish bones and garbage and who knows what else, with their eyes open for where the next note of the great scale might be hidden. The map said it must be in this cave, but they didn't see anything. As they neared the back of the cave, and the snoring got louder and louder, 
Princess Harmony's candle lit up a small, locked, wooden chest, and on it were more musical symbols. There it is, Harmony gasped. Ruxapold gasped too. I know, he whispered, and it's bigger and scarier than I thought. Harmony looked again and saw what Ruxapold saw, that the chest was being held by a giant, shaggy, ugly, sleeping troll. A very big one. She was frightened, but she knew she needed that chest. She inched forward towards the troll. Be careful, hissed Ruxapold, edging away. Princess Harmony carefully, oh so carefully, inched the little wooden chest out of the troll's sleeping arms. Inch by inch, it slid away from the troll and towards Harmony. It was very nearly in her hands when Ruxapold, who was still inching away from the princess and troll muttering, careful, careful, backed right into a tremendous pile of bones and knocked it all down, spilling bones all over the cave with a loud clatter. The troll swept the chest up with both of its big hairy arms and roared itself awake. Ruxapold yelped and flapped his way frantically back towards the cave entrance. But Princess Harmony stood her ground. She grasped Raybright in her hand that wasn't holding the candle and drew the sword from her belt. Warmth and sunlight began to flow through her hand as she held the sword, and Raybright's note echoed through her body. She began to hum the note herself. As she hummed, and as the troll approached, the sword began to glow. The longer she hummed, the brighter and brighter the sword glowed, bright golden sunlight filling and warming the huge cave. The troll stopped moving towards the princess, and its angry roars turned into groans, and it threw the chest to the floor to cover its eyes with both of its huge, hairy arms to block the light. Princess Harmony dropped her candle and, still humming, still holding the sword, grabbed up the small chest in her other hand and bolted for the opening of the cave. She leapt out into the early evening sunlight with a cry of joy and victory. Woohoo! Princess, you did it! shouted Ruxapold, who was already outside the cave. The troll was growling and roaring from just inside the shadows of the cave entrance, too afraid of the evening light and of the sword to come any closer. Princess Harmony turned to the troll and put Raybright away in her belt. I'm sorry, good troll, she called. I need to bring back music, and you have one of the notes. I'm so sorry I had to snatch it away, and I, I hope you understand. And I have a little gift for you. And she pulled from her pack some of the leftover delicious lemon muffins that the monkeys had made and set it down on a rock by the river. She couldn't tell if the troll could understand, but it did stop growling and lumbered back into the depths of the cave. "'What did you find, princess?' Ruxapold asked, after the troll had gone and they had moved down the trail from its stinky cave aways. Princess Harmony set the chest down before him. "'This! I saw the musical markings. Look, there's, there's some dough, and there's some rests, but there's a new symbol here. Ruxapold, what is it?' "'Oh, look at your sword, child. There on the pommel.' Oh, the pommel's at the end of the sword's handle there, yes. Now, see, it's the same symbol, the symbol Ray. Oh, I get it, said the princess. Then the spell on this chest is Do, Do, Ray, Ray, Do, Rest, Rest, Rest. Do, Ray, Do, Ray, Do, 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 Rest. Oh, you are truly a gifted musician, crowed Rux. 
A musician? asked the princess. Oh, yes, dear girl, one who knows and wields the magic of music. Princess Harmony glowed with pride and did her best to focus and concentrate as Ruxapold and then Raybright gave her their notes for the new spell. She took care to remember the notes and how they sounded, and then sang herself as best she could the new spell. Do, do, re, re, do, rest, rest, rest. Do, re, do, re, do, 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 rest. The chest gave a shudder, and the lock glowed with gold and silver sparks for a moment, and then, click, the lid opened gently, and Princess Harmony pulled out of its violet, velvet lining a small, hand-held, circular mirror. Well, it's me, Glass, the reflector, third note of the great scale, shouted Ruxapold. You're doing it, Princess. You're bringing the music back. Princess Harmony smiled as she held the glass up to see her road-weary, fairly dirty, but very happy face smiling back at her. And as she held the mirror, she could hear singing out through the trees, over the rushing of the river, the new note. She sang along to it and felt the music flow through her, felt its sweetness and power lift her spirits and give her courage and hope. Me! Then she tucked the mirror into her belt and looked at Ruxapold and yawned. Do you have any friends nearby, Rux? It is getting late and I think I'm ready for bed. Ruxapold's eyes twinkled. Absolutely, princess, but it's still a ways away, and we should hurry if we want to arrive before dark, and in time for dinner. They marched on, Princess Harmony clambering over slick rocks, and Ruxapold flying along or hopping beside her. Their trail finally began to steer up the sides of the steep ravine, and soon they had left the river behind and below. The last rays of the old forest sunset were peering through the trees when, at last, Ruxapold called a halt before a thick, hollow tree. Inside was a very excited and very generous and very good at cooking family of squirrels. They, and much of the forest from what they chattered on about over their delicious dinner, had heard the rumors of the map finder and of a young musician come to bring all music back. Princess Harmony tried to shrug off the compliments and the looks of wonder that the animals gave her, but the squirrels insisted on treating her as a most honored guest as they ate and then showed her to her room. Princess Harmony was snug in her bed, feeling herself lulled to sleep by the pleasant chattering of the squirrels when she heard it, a terrible, distant, crashing and grinding sound like a swarm of bees in a catfight. Noise goblins. The chattering in the other room stopped. She held her breath grew more distant and then disappeared. The chattering started up again in the next room, but softer and more subdued. In their excitement and joy, in their adventures of finding Miglas the Reflector, it was easy to forget about the cacophonics and his searching powers. Princess Harmony finally fell asleep, but she did not dream. She was just so tired. Ruxapold looked in on her, softly breathing in deep sleep later that night, and and pulled the blankets up for her with his beak. Then he curled up at her feet and slept too, 
knowing that with each new note they found, with each joyful victory, the cacophonics would be seeking them more and more desperately. Sleep well, child, he whispered as he was dozing off, for a young musician will need all her strength for her coming adventures. Are you tired of being harassed by trolls? Have you got some bridges to cross on your way to work or school? Are you a billy goat with the last name Gruff? Well, worry no more. We here at Penzinger's Potent Potions Emporium have just what you need. Troll Be Gone Misting Spray. Yes, this spray contains enough concentrated sunlight, essence of sunshine, and organically harvested sunrises to keep away even the most aggressive, sun protection-wearing troll out there. No more trip-tropping over bridges in fear. No more depending on magical wizard voices around a campfire to get you out of that sack. Try new Troll Be Gone Misting Spray now, and let your troll worries be over. Troll Be Gone Misting Spray comes in three popular scents, lilac, citrus, and wet dog. Troll Be Gone Misting Spray must be used as directed. Not effective with dragons, goblins, ogres, or other mystical creatures. Never use before operating machinery. Never use around gnomes. They go crazy for the stuff and will try to take you home with them. Read all warning labels before using. Never spray in eyes unless you want x-ray vision. And never spray in mouth. Tastes like dirty socks filled with fish. Potential side effects include, but are not limited to, shrinking, growing, changing color, mild levitation, fire breathing, disappearing, multiplying, teleportation, disintegration, and itchy eyes. Please talk to your family magician or sorceress before using Penzinger's Tropicon Misting Spray. for coming back for another episode of Paint Like a Robert Boss with me, your host, Robert Boss, still the world's only painter on the radio. I'd like to thank the kind people of Benedettiville again for asking me to come back. I've never had two shows at the same place before. And I'd like to thank all of you great people out there who sent in your letters demanding another Paint Like a Robert Boss episode. You asked for it, you got it. And today, because that Geo character is off in Australia, I thought we'd just do a wonderful, marvelous little happy painting of a hoppity-doppity little kangaroo today, okay? Now make sure you have all your supplies and follow along with my very simple yet absolutely innovative techniques and steps in our painting today. We'll start with a bit of blue and slap a nice little sky back there. 
Okay, now because we're painting a kangaroo today, I'll be jumping up and down as I paint everything. I think it's very important to try and understand the subject you're painting, and because of that, I'll be jumping up and down, just kind of swinging my big gripper brush around, more or less in the direction of the canvas, okay? But don't let the direction of the canvas get you down. You can just kind of wing it around all willy-nilly if you want. It's just real fun. Be real free, just like a kangaroo in the outback. Okay, whew, all right, I think we got one real beautiful sky there. Our kangaroo today will be brown, and as will the grassy, dusty ground that he hops around on, okay? That means we're gonna need a lot of brown, doesn't it, folks? And when you need to get a lot of paint on the canvas real quick, it's nice to not have to bother with these teeny, tiny little brushes. Heck, it would take all day. Now, the good people at the radio studio have told me that under absolutely no circumstances can I use my chainsaw brush again in here, and that's fine. Not everyone can have a real nice appreciation for the arts. I understand. But I won't waste your time and mine with a bunch of brushy-brushy nonsense, no sir. So this week, I've got a fire hose. And I modified this here water pump and filled these buckets with tons of all kinds of brownish paints and stuff. And as soon as I get my goggles on here, well, okay, yeah, let's fire it up. Okay, here we go. All right. Now, the biggest thing to remember when you're painting with a fire hose is to not let go. Real important, because these things will whip around all wild and snaky-like if you let them. So you got it. Okay. Even as much of the canvas as you can, lay out a nice big old stream of paint for the ground. Yeah, and the splatters look like grass, so that's good for us. Oh, let's get that kangaroo going. I'm not sure what a kangaroo looks like, but I got a feeling if I just keep jumping around with this hose, I'll get a real nice painting of what it should feel like, you know what I mean? Hey, you! Now, jumping with a fire hose can be tricky. And now the floor is real slippery with pe- Oh, whoopsie. Oh, that did it. Oh, I lost my grip on the hose. Whoa, you should see it tearing around the studio here. There's paint everywhere. I just gotta dodge around it. Okay, just gotta get over and shut off the pump here. Oh, and there we go. All right, let's- Let's have a look now, okay? Wowie. Well, hey, I'll tell you what. If that is not what a kangaroo looks like, well, it is certainly what it should look like, okay? And the studio here looks absolutely fabulous with just a whole mess of brown paint hose all around all crazy-like. Just real, really, really nice. And, uh, yeah, I think this painting is just about as done as it can be. I'll just sign it here with a little swish of the old mustache. Oh, swish, swish, swish. And we'll call this show over. Thanks for tuning in everyone and we will see you next time right here on Paint Like a Robert Boss. Toodaloo! What do people in Australian what do Australian people like to do? Travel. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Ride motorbikes and just be at the beach and stuff. Travel. Yeah. Favourite thing to do in uh, Kung Fu? Probably forward driving. Gone mudding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, forward driving, definitely. Get so some much good fun. tracks in Wyanga Dam and Acro yeah. Falls. When it rains, it's just fantastic. Yeah. Pretty much go to the cities because the cities, they got so much, got so much more than a town. Like, 
so many places to visit. It's it's a really great opportunity if you can go to one of the cities in this great country. Hello. Check. Check. Is my mic on? Is the camera's mic on? Harmony awoke to the warm, delicious smells of the squirrel family kitchen. 
The Squirrel family had prepared the most tasty and wonderful of breakfasts for their very honored guests. And, and, while there was joyful chatter around the table as they ate and went over the map, it was a bit subdued, a bit nervous maybe. It could have been the weather, it was looking a little bit cloudy and gloomy out, or it could have been the noise goblin search party that they had heard the night before. Or maybe it was the map. The map had a number four placed square in the middle of the gray bog swamp. And from what Ruxapold and the squirrels shared, it seemed to Princess Harmony that very few good and nice things would be found in that swamp. Whatever it was, things were a bit more serious and anxious as Princess Harmony and Ruxapold said their thank yous and goodbyes to the very, very wonderful squirrel family and their cozy home and headed out on their day's adventure. Their path wound them through the tall, towering trees of the old forest, with their ears keen all the while for the sound of noise goblins, of course. Until about midday, but time was kind of hard to tell on a cloudy, gloomy day like this, when they reached the outskirts of Greybog Swamp. Ruxapold was obviously uncomfortable. Oh, Greybog Swamp. Why here of all places, he grumbled. And now, princess, listen close, for there are as many dangers in this swampland as there are feathers on my head. Whatever you do, do not fall in the waters. The great tentacle snakes grow as large as some of the tree trunks, and they are quick to grab at anything that disturbs the water. Princess Harmony was glad that she still had some tangle tree sap for her boots to make sure she wouldn't slip. Ruxapold continued, Also, see that tree over there? The one with the slick, slimy gray bark? And its roots that look like fat, crawling worms? Those are leech trees. Don't get too close to their roots, or they'll wrap you up quicker than you can eat a muffin. Which, because Princess Harmony liked muffins so much, she knew must be very, very quick. There's bugs and creepy crawlers aplenty all over, but most of the really rotten stuff is in or around the water, Ruxapold said. Well, said Princess Harmony, looking at the map, our map seems to lead us pretty well past the pools and the streams. I think we'll be okay. And, she continued, it looks like everywhere that there are pools and streams we have to cross, there are bridges here on the map. Oh, I hope so, princess, said Ruxapold, as they took their first steps towards the thick, mist-filled, dark and droopy world of the Greybog Swamp. They moved very slowly, making sure to follow the map very precisely. They had to count their steps to avoid the sinking Greybogs in certain places, as it was marked on the map. And they had to get down and crawl as silently as they could to stay out of reach of the nests of swooping tree snatchers, just as they were marked on the map. Princess Harmony was glad that she and Mother Melody had packed a rope, for there were many times where the map said that there were bridges, but the bridges were gone. Only ashes and fire-blackened ruins remained to show where they had been. And Princess Harmony, after Rux flew up and tied the rope securely to a branch, would have to swing herself across wide stretches of dangerous swamp water. These bridges were not burned on accident, Princess, Ruxapold said after one such crossing. Surely someone did not want us coming this way. 
Could that be the cacophonix? Asked Princess Harmony. Well, I'm afraid so. Or at least some of its busy little mischief makers, Ruxipold replied. We'd best be on our guard. Well, that's pretty good news, said Princess Harmony brightly, as she drew Ray Bright, the sword, from her belt. Good news, squawked Ruxipold. Well, sure, Harmony replied. It means we are definitely on the right track. And she smiled big and, following the map, headed on deeper into the gray bog swamp. Ruxipold couldn't help but smile, too, as he flapped after her into the cloudy gloom of a dark and gray swampy afternoon. And so it was, without much greater fuss, that our two adventurers stepped between a thick curtain of vines to see a small clearing at the base of a towering leech tree at the edge of a large, swampy lake. Look there, said Princess Harmony. There's a cage hanging there from the branches, and there's something inside, she said as she cautiously approached. It looks like a little mouse, poor thing, and and look, Rux, it's chained up just like you were. Rux? Ruxapold? Princess Harmony called, but there was no answer. And when Princess Harmony turned around, she could see why. Three tall, thin, winged creatures had appeared out of the swampy mist and trees behind her, hunched over, wearing long black cloaks and with great chains wrapped and hanging all about them. One of them had poor Ruxapold clutched tight in its large claws. Princess Harmony couldn't see a face or a nose or a mouth underneath the vulture-shaped hoods of their cloaks, just two cold and mean-looking eyes. The closest one to her spoke in a low, scratchy voice. Drop the sword if you wish us to release your friend. And Princess Harmony dropped the sword. It clattered out of reach to the floor of the clearing. The creatures released Ruxapold, but Princess Harmony could see a fresh chain bound to his leg and leading back to the creature that had held him. We are gloom cloaks, the creature croaked. We sing of gloom, of dark and doom. We bring the chains of steel true to bind forever fast to you. We sing of gloom, of dark and doom, so music shall be trapped anew. And as the gloom cloak chanted, the other creatures joined in. It was a ghastly, terrible, dismal sound, and Princess Harmony could see the chains from their bodies floating towards her, dancing slowly across the small clearing. But she couldn't do anything to stop it. With their terrible song in her ears, she was too gloomy and hopeless to stop the chains that crept ever closer. Raybright the sword lay upon the ground out of reach, and Ruxapold looked so gloomy as to be almost asleep, the fresh chain around his legs swaying with the gloomy song. The other chains were nearly to her ankles, clanking their way towards her as the awful chant continued. And just then, Harmony heard a lovely voice singing a new note in her ear, cutting through the gloom and the noise clearly like a beam of light in the fog. Use me, glass, the reflector, use the mirror. The voice broke the spell, and Princess Harmony grabbed the mirror from her belt. She held me, glass, and as she held it, she could hear the mirror's note in her ears. And so she sang the note. Mirror. 
and the note grew strong and sweet, and she could feel the warmth and the power of music vibrating through herself, and the spell, and the mirror. And then, just as though they had hit a wall, striking silver sparks in front of Princess Harmony, the chains turned around and started crawling back, back towards the gloom cloaks. The chain around Rux's ankle, clang, popped right off and started snaking back towards the gloom cloaks along with the others. The dark creatures chanted louder and faster, but with Princess Harmony holding Miglas the reflector boldly and strongly, humming her note, the chains continued back towards the gloom cloaks. Faster and faster they approached until they wrapped around the tall, cloaked bodies in great steel coils. The gloom cloaks panicked. They stopped chanting and flapped their leathery wings furiously, swatting at the disobedient chains. But it was no use. The chains held them fast, bound by Princess Harmony's reflecting magic. The gloom cloaks grew frantic, hopping and flapping this way and that until they lost track of themselves, lost track of where they were, and stepped too close to the swampy lake. And then, sploosh, 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 in they fell. There was a swirl in the water. The ripples spread across the lake. And then all was still. The gloom cloaks were gone. Panting with excitement, Princess Harmony stopped singing me and, after giving Miglas a kiss and a thank you, put the mirror back in her belt. Oh, thank you, Princess, said Ruxapold, a frightened and amazed look in his eyes. No one has ever stood up to a gloom cloak before, let alone three, he said. How did you do it? Well, I almost didn't do it, said Princess Harmony. I had help, and I think it came from right here. And she looked at the cage hanging from the leech tree limb. Inside, chained to the bars of the cage, was a small, cute, furry, gray mouse. Thank you, little friend, said the princess, standing on her tiptoes to peer inside the cage. I'm Princess Harmony, and this is Ruxapold. And you must be... I am Falia the Gray, fourth note of the great scale at your service, said a sweet and tiny voice. Folia the Grey, gasped Ruxapold. You're alive. Well, certainly I am, she said. Just a bit trapped in a cage in the swamp, you know. Well, not for long, said Princess Harmony, who had been investigating the cage rather closely. There's a spell written here, and if I'm right, this new symbol is me. Right, Rux? I recognize it from the carvings on the handle of Miglas, the mirror. Yes, girl, very well done. Okay, Falia. Princess Harmony said. Stand back. The spell to open this cage is Do, Re, Mi, Do, Re, Mi, Mi, Rest, Rest. Do, Re, Mi, Rest, Mi, Re, Do. Princess Harmony turned to Ruxapold. Ruxapold, could you give me your note? I need to hear it again. She picked up Raybright from the clearing floor and held on to Miglas so that she could hear each of the notes, remember them, and then sing them in the new spell. Here goes, she said. And Princess Harmony did her best to sing the new spell. Do, re, mi, do, re, mi, mi, rest, rest. Do, re, mi, rest, mi, re, do. As the last do was sung, a golden mist swirled around the cage. The chain on Falia's leg fell to the ground, clang, and a side of the cage swung open. Falia sprang out, lightly landing on Harmony's shoulder. 
She nuzzled the princess's cheek. Thank you, princess. Oh, thank you. Me and my note, Fa, shall ever be at your service. And she squeaked her new note into Princess Harmony's ear. Princess Harmony sang along, feeling the resonation and vibration of the new note, feeling it thrill through her voice and throat and body as the music surged and swelled around her. Ahem, coughed Ruxapold. I'm very sorry to interrupt, but we are still in the middle of Greybog's swamp, and it is nearly sundown. We'll surely be caught in this swamp at night, even if we hurry. You're right, Rux, Princess Harmony said, snapping out of her musical reverie. Do you know anyone here in the swamp we could stay with? She asked, a bit worried now. I'm afraid not, child, Ruxapold muttered. I do, squeaked Falia, and they're really quite wonderful. Trust me, and don't be afraid. And so saying, she scrambled down the tree, and then all three of them were off, chasing the scampering Falia through the swamp and listening closely to her directions and instructions. The sun was just setting a glorious, deep crimson through the cooling mists of the swamp, when Falia stopped at the edge of a wide, slow-flowing river and squeaked out her note. Ruxapold and Princess Harmony jumped back in surprise and alarm as two enormous crocodiles scrambled out of the murky water and right onto the banks. Falia turned around. Don't be alarmed. These are my friends, the only ones to keep me company in my long imprisonment in that rotten box. They may look fearsome, but they are as sweet as can be. We are very pleased to meet you, croaked the larger crocodile. The whole swamp knows of your great victory today, fair musician, and we would be honored if you would stay with us tonight. Princess Harmony got a hold of her nerves and stepped forward. That is very kind of you, good crocodile, and we would be honored to stay with you. And so they found themselves crawling through muddy tunnels, following the grunts of the crocodiles and Folia's squeaks until they emerged in a warm, cozy, dry den that already smelled of warm and wonderful cooking. That night, they ate a lovely supper together and became fast friends with the family of crocodiles, who truly were as sweet and kind as could be. After dinner, Princess Harmony, Ruxapold, and Falia made a big nest of blankets and pillows, and in one big cozy ball, they fell sound asleep beside the still warm hearth of the crocodile's den. Outside, somewhere in the old forest, the cacophonics was surely learning that it had been defeated and had failed again. Forest creatures everywhere were whispering excited and hopeful rumors about a great musician in the old forest, and a river troll was munching on some tasty leftover lemon muffins. But in the crocodile's warm den, Princess Harmony with Ruxapold curled under one arm and Falia nestled against her warm cheek, slept the dreamless, cozy sleep that comes with a long day of wonderful adventures. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, everybody. Remember, we've got the live radio show every Sunday on KPCA. You can stream it at kpca.fm. If you're in Petaluma, it's on 103.3 FM. We update this podcast every Wednesday, and you can check it out here as well. 
We're always looking for good songs, good stories, and good pieces of news. So don't be shy. Drop us a line. Mail at benedettiville.com. Look forward to hearing from you, folks. See you next week. Bye.